Due to themes of child sexual abuse and exploitation, the content of this podcast may be distressing to some people. It is not suitable for children and listener discretion is advised. For advice and support, please visit accce.gov.au. We see a lot of information coming to us from our foreign partners identifying those offenders and those victims in our own backyard and we work with them to rescue those children from those circumstances. The relative anonymity that people can enjoy in the online environment is a challenge for us. We have to resolve or reconcile how we actually work with our partners to investigate and rescue children and we can't do this on our own anymore. There is more effort, not only in Australia, but globally towards understanding and preventing child exploitation. We've scratched the sore and now we've got the wound and that's oozing out and it's coming out pretty quick. There's no denying that over the last few decades, the internet has opened up the world to all of us. And for our kids, well... The internet is simply something they take for granted as part of their daily lives. They use it to connect with friends, do homework, listen to music, play games. It's their window to their world. A world with no borders. Sadly, online child sex offenders can also take advantage of this world with no borders to gain online access to our kids. They could be next door, in the next state, or just as easily in another country. I'm Roger Corsa, and this is Closing the Net, a podcast series that explores the world of those policing the borderless crime of online child sexual exploitation. Men and women who work tirelessly to protect children from harm and bring child sex offenders to justice. The Australian Centre to Counter Child Exploitation is at the heart of Australia's coordinated response to this horrendous crime type. The ACE, as it's known, is a world-leading facility uniting law enforcement agencies and child protection organisations from across the country and the world to combat child exploitation in all its various forms. Some of what you're about to hear may be confronting, but these stories need to be told. There's stories that need to be talked about by teachers, by community members and by parents. People like you and I. The internet has accelerated the spread of child exploitation material across the globe. In a recent report from the International Justice Commission into online child sexual exploitation of children in the Philippines, Australia was listed third in terms of involved customers. Third. Millions of reports about this crime type are being generated to authorities each year. On a daily basis, the ACE receives reports from agencies across the world about online child sex offences either happening in Australia or in places where there's a connection to an Australian offender. The majority come from NECMEC, the National Centre for Missing and Exploited Children in the US, and its cyber tip line. The cyber tip line has been in existence since 1998, and it started as an online reporting mechanism for members of the public to report incidents of potential child sexual exploitation. 
About three years later, there was a federal law passed here in the United States that requires electronic service providers, if they become aware of child sexual abuse imagery on their platforms, they're required to remove it and report it to the cyber tip line, and NECMEC will then make those reports available to the appropriate law enforcement agency. Michelle DeLorne is CEO of NECMEC. So when a cyber tip line report comes in, and they are arriving every minute of every day, we receive usually between 300 and 500,000 new reports each week. Our system is also flagging for us which country a report may resolve to. In cases where a report resolves to a user in Australia, those reports are made available within minutes to the Australian Law Enforcement Agency, in this case, AFP. We also have secondary measures built in that allow us to triage and surface reports that have a higher value or higher risk to a child, I guess I should say. I can think of a case that came in just a few months ago where we take the report regarding the user in addition to the files of child sexual abuse that user was trading. And our system was able to detect uh, from metadata within the image that that photograph had been taken and produced just one week earlier. So when we make that report available to the Australian authorities, we are able to put that report on the top of the pile. So when they're uh, allocating their resources, they're able to allocate them to those cases in which a child right now is at risk. Online child sexual exploitation is a borderless crime where no country is immune. In 2020, NECMEC's cyber tip line received more than 21 million reports that touched almost every corner of the world. We have over 55 million unique images and videos in the repository of child abuse material that we have at Europol. Uh, Each of those files depicts an abuse that has taken place against a child. Um, And that, to me, is is an incredible uh, statistic. It's an incredible thing to contemplate that there is that much recording of abuse that has gone on. Europol is another key international partner for the AFP and the ACE when it comes to combating this particular crime type. Cahal Delaney leads the Europol team that deals with online child sexual exploitation and abuse. Cahal was heavily involved in Europol's Stop Child Abuse Trace and Object Initiative, a version of which the ACE recently launched in Australia. Despite the scale of the child exploitation issue that confronts them, Cahol and his team never lose sight of the reason they do this, which is to rescue children from harm. You should never despair. Every action that you take uh, in order to prevent a child from being harmed is a positive action, and it is a step towards that. Trace an object is an example of that. Another example of which trace an object came from was the, the Victim Identification Task Forces, and because we have had those, they are a way in which we get uh, people from all over the, the world, investigators from all over the world, together here at Europol, either in person or virtually, and they collaborate on the material that has been collected here. We um, try to develop the clues that are in the images and the videos, along with additional intelligence from the, from the large volume of intelligence that we hold here at Europol, to locate the victims themselves and to locate those who are abusing them and who are victimising them. So with those efforts uh, and with the efforts from our own team here, what we have managed to do is to examine about 20% of those 55 million unique files. As a result of that, over 
850 children have been rescued in the last uh, six years now. Cooperation is the most important thing that we can do in trying to combat this crime. It's an international level crime and no single country can defeat it on its own. It's only by everybody contributing the pieces of the puzzle that each of them have and those puzzle pieces being assembled through that cooperation and collaboration that we can find the full picture or at least as many pieces of the picture as we can and then using those picture pieces to target these individuals and to take down the networks that they are building and to discover who the children are that are being abused in order to feed them. Another vital partner for the AFP and the ACE, and one of the driving forces in tackling global child exploitation, is Interpol. Despite the similar names, Interpol and Europol are two separate organisations. Europol coordinates cross-border investigations and operations within the European Union, whereas Interpol is a global organisation helping law enforcement agencies around the world. Uri Sadeh is head of the Crimes Against Children unit for Interpol and knows that global cooperation is critical in the fight against online child sexual exploitation. We have very good cooperation with Australia, who's a major player in enforcement of this crime area. There's also regular liaisons through our main tool, which is the International Child Sexual Exploitation Database. That's a tool that we launched already a decade ago and we keep updating which is uh, putting investigators in at the moment in 64 countries in immediate touch with each other and in giving them direct access to a tool for analysis of child abuse material. They can compare against existing material. They can find additional pieces of the puzzle. And essentially, they can also communicate with colleagues. And very often we see this collaborative effort of the community on our international database as a platform leading to an identification. Each investigator uh, bringing personal knowledge and another piece of evidence or a clue, and this slowly narrowing down on a location and allowing us to, to find an offender and rescue a victim. So cooperation is key to the online child sexual exploitation domain. Within that domain, the task facing the AFP and the ACE and their international law enforcement partners like Interpol is enormous but they share a common goal, rescuing children and preventing further harm. The caseload might be grim, but every success provides them with yet another reason to keep going. Obviously, every victory, and it can be an individual one or a wide-scale one, is um, further motivating. We're sitting in this international hub. We're aware of successes around the world. Every day we see more victims being identified and more tools dedicated, and a lot of our work goes towards that. Indeed, that is motivating. My team here, they come to work very willing. They know they're doing something meaningful with their hours. As hard as it is to go over those images and go, go into the minds of offenders through chats, etc., not a pleasant thing to do in your uh, day after day but uh, they see very clearly who's there doing it for. Interpol's International Child Exploitation Database holds more than 2.7 million images and videos, allowing specialised investigators from more than 60 countries to share data and intelligence. It's helped identify more than 23,000 victims and thousands of offenders. But as much as technology is helping law enforcement, it also presents them with one of their biggest challenges. 
new technologies coming uh, every day are utilized by offenders to reach victims or to reach other offenders regularly. The sheer volume of this uh, phenomenon of, of child abuse material and activity online is definitely overwhelming for law enforcement, which finds itself facing huge collections to go through or huge traffic to try and find individuals within. It's clear to law enforcement that we're unfortunately getting to the uh, tip of the iceberg. The challenge is to find prevention tools or tools, technology that will assist investigators in working through these high volumes. Europe is in the eye of the storm, with the Internet Watch Foundation revealing that 89% of known websites containing images and videos of child sexual abuse are hosted in European countries. These websites are accessed by thousands of offenders across the world. Some of those offenders are Australian, producing and sharing their own vile collections that depict children being sexually abused. In recent years, AFP officers have been deployed overseas to help strengthen Australia's cooperation with international partners, providing real-time intelligence to support investigations happening anywhere in the world. Stationed in The Hague, Carly Smith is an AFP officer attached to the Joint Cybercrime Action Task Force within Europol, where, like here in Australia, child exploitation is taken very seriously. Europol considers this to be a completely global phenomenon and a global issue. They work very well with other countries. It's probably the one crime type where everybody cooperates, everybody shares intelligence. There's no politicalness around any of the sharing of information. Everybody's in it for one particular purpose, and that's protecting children and prosecuting offenders. It doesn't matter who does it, where it's done, as long as somebody's doing it. And I find that's the attitude that they have in this particular crime type. Child exploitation is always at the top of the list whether it's links into Australia or Australia is doing an investigation that's linked into other European countries uh, or other countries around the world that Europeans are also looking into particular targets. I didn't understand it until I came to Europol, the scale of cooperation between the law enforcement agencies here. And I think that it's great to see that everybody is focused on one thing, a recent investigation that originated with Task Force Argos in Queensland highlights the importance of that international cooperation, with the exchange of information between investigators leading all the way to Georgia in Eastern Europe. Georgia had never run a child exploitation investigation before. They had the legislation, but they'd never actually investigated it before. We also identified that there was an Australian offender and a US offender located in Georgia at the time. And so with the USHSI, the Homeland Security, Europol, Task Force Argos and Georgia commenced an investigation into these two particular persons as well as the syndicate involved in Georgia. They arrested, Georgia arrested, I believe about 13 people as part of this operation, including an Australian man who had previously been subject to, or come to notice, sorry, in Australia before. 
So the American and the Australian were arrested and both were convicted and sentenced to 16 years in prison. And the Georgian authorities were so thankful to Task Force Argos, the amount of work that they put in to that particular investigation and were able to give to Georgia, I think to me highlighted the importance of Europol because if it hadn't been for having that conduit and Georgia being at Europol and Australia being there and the US being there with Europol that we wouldn't have been able to to have such a successful operation. So that to me highlighted the importance of my role here. The AFP has more than 180 officers stationed in numerous locations across the world, investigating all manner of illegal activity, including organised crime, money laundering and child sexual offences. Yes, it's happening in every country. And whether or not that country wants to acknowledge that it's happening, it is happening. Federal Agent Lisa James works within the Child Protection Triage Unit at the ACE. Lisa's work with the AFP has taken her to numerous international posts and she's seen just how quickly child sex offenders, particularly white males, can manipulate families to gain access to children in poor or underdeveloped countries. I guess in some countries that I've worked in, a white male person has a lot of power. They also have a lot of money in proportion to the local population. They also have the opportunity of perhaps offering jobs, whether it be, you know, simple things like taking care of their house or providing goods or things like that to the community. So they sort of have a quite a strong power base and they're able to then manipulate people in that community and gain access to children that way through money and their position of power. They also have the ability in some countries to really understand if they're living there long term, the culture of the community. And that's another way of manipulating the community into obtaining children. For almost 20 years, Detective Superintendent Paul Hopkins has been working with victim-based crime, including human trafficking. Much of that time has been spent in the Philippines, a region Paul says has often been considered a hotspot for sex crimes against children. There's a number of reasons. One, it's a society which has some very rich people and some very, very poor people, but it has access to high technology, so everyone has the internet. They generally speak English quite well, and Australians are quite well regarded over there, and so the Australians who are pedophiles can move into the country, use the good nature and the good reputation of Australians to insidiously abuse children. You know, we come from such a privileged background in Australia and for Australians to go overseas and to use their position and their money and their privilege to abuse children overseas is about as bad as it gets. It was while stationed in the Philippines that Paul became aware of the activities of an Australian man regarded as one of the world's worst pedophiles, Peter Jared Scully. Scully fled Australia in 2011 to try and escape fraud charges, but the AFP and local police would ultimately connect him to a series of horrific crimes, including human trafficking, rape and sexual assault of underage girls. In 2013, we were looking for Peter Scully by his real name, but we were looking for him for fraud. So what we did is we, we heard he was in Cagayandoro, we distributed pictures of him and he was going by the name Peter... Scully or Peter Adele, and we gave these photos to the local police. In September 2014, two young girls escaped and came to the local police force in Cagayandoro 
and they said a man called Peter Russell had been molesting them and had chained them up and made them dig their graves and the police have gone, Peter Russell, you say, does he look anything like this? And showed the photo of Peter Scully and they said, yes, that's him. What followed was an intense game of cat and mouse as local authorities in the Philippines worked with the AFP and Dutch investigators to apprehend Scully. Intelligence exchanged between international law enforcement agencies would soon lead these same investigators to become aware of a deeply disturbing child abuse video known as Daisy's Destruction and Scully's involvement in its production. The International Victim Identifications Team, and this is where it's great in this crime time how well people work together, they were looking for this, the authors of a of a video called Daisy's Destruction that had surfaced in around 2012 in Europe and also um, in Australia, I think, at the same time. But the person who'd created that had was obviously high-tech. He'd hidden all the IPs and was very hard to locate where it had come from. But someone on that used Cebuano, which is a language of the Philippines, the southern Philippines. So they knew it was in the Philippines. In the end, we located all five of the places where he'd filmed one of those places we found a poor um, little lass who'd been killed as part of the crime of Scully's and she was buried under the kitchen and that was, that was awful. Scully was arrested in 2015. He's alleged to have built up an international child sex abuse network that offered pay-per-view video streams. He's currently serving a life sentence. I guess the thing about the Scully case is whilst it's a horrific case and left a lot of children, and indeed uh, we, the people working on it, scarred, there has been a lot of positives out of it. We really got everyone working together beautifully in the Philippines, the Americans, the British, but above all, the local Philippines, the MBI and the PMP, the Philippines National Police and the National Bureau of Investigation in the Philippines, worked wonderfully well together, and they hadn't ever done that before on a case. Southeast Asia, and the Philippines in particular, has sadly been a favoured destination for those Australians travelling overseas with the intent to sexually abuse children. Australian Border Force Commissioner Michael Outram says these so-called sex tourists are high on their radar. So the first thing I say there is that I, you know, the term sex tourism is something that we've been all discussing, uh, I guess, as to whether that term is appropriate to describe people who are going overseas to commit horrendous crimes against children. It's been put to me that I shouldn't use that term because it kind of underplays or plays down the gravity of that kind of offending. So that's the first thing I'd say is that sex tourism could be, you know, somebody going overseas for any number of different purposes. But where children are involved, I think it's, it's a particularly heinous kind of problem that we're dealing with. In 2017... The Australian government introduced a world-leading proposal to ban registered sex offenders from travelling overseas without permission or from holding an Australian passport. The move was hailed around the world, and the legislation potentially impacts the movement of 20,000 registered offenders. Where we do have the, the registers of child sex offenders, we have the ability in Australia to take their passports off them. And within the border system, 
the police, the federal police, the states and territory police, they have the ability to put people on, on alert for us, the border force, so that when people try and travel, we can take certain actions at the border, either to prevent them travelling or to report that the fact they are travelling. So I think we have a very good system in place in Australia of monitoring and managing the movement of child sex offenders internationally. That doesn't mean to say we see everything and we know everything, but it's a pretty good system. The AFP has spent years building strong crime prevention systems and partnerships with Australia's neighbouring countries in Asia to help track offenders across a range of different crime types. Detective Superintendent Andrew Perkins is attached to the AFP's International Command Post in Manila, combating transnational criminal threats that may impact Australia. In the Philippines, that work includes countering child exploitation. So the borderless nature of this crime combined with advances in technology and evolving methodologies means that the exploitation of children has expanded significantly across the globe. And this obviously includes regions of concern for Australia such as Asia, where children are exploited by local and international child sex offenders. What we have seen is that there's been a real shift from traditional child sex tourism to the exploitation of children via the internet, including live online child sexual abuse. Many of the victims of live online child sexual abuse have been concentrated in the Philippines with other countries across Southeast Asia of interest also. For offenders, this type of crime is convenient as there is no need for them to travel. It can be accessed from almost anywhere. All they need is an internet-enabled device and a connection to the internet. Uh, Financial transactions involved in live online child sexual abuse are typically of a small value from $10 or $15. Sex offenders and predators anywhere in the world can search online and pay to direct live sexual abuse of children, and Australian nationals are among those perpetrators. The production and distribution of child abuse material is estimated to be a multi-billion dollar global industry. It's not just images and videos, but pay-per-view and live streaming of abuse online. Payments are made with Bitcoin, digital currency exchanges and sometimes seemingly innocent transactions. But every payment leaves a trace, a criminal breadcrumb for investigators to follow. Austrac is Australia's financial intelligence agency that monitors transactions for any signs of criminal activity. It oversees the compliance of 16,000 regulated businesses in many industries, including the financial and gambling sectors, businesses who are obligated to report anything they believe to be suspicious. So we're really trying to uplift their knowledge and understanding of the obligations to which they must comply, but we're also trying to help them frequently better understand the the risks that they face and that they're exposed to by criminals who will look to use the financial system to do money laundering, terrorism financing and all of the other serious crimes that, that, that we face and that certainly includes child exploitation which is which is a really a focus of our efforts with the Australian Senate to counter child exploitation. Bradley Brown is the National Manager for Education, Capability and Communications within Austrac. In relation to child exploitation, we see an increasing number of transactions and suspicious reports provided to Austrac based on information and advice that we've provided to businesses about what they need to look out for, which countries are 
those that are impacted the most by child exploitation. And in particular, we have had a focus for the last several years in relation to the Philippines, which is at great risk of this particular crime type. So we have actually worked with that jurisdiction together with working with uh, domestic law enforcement agencies. Some of the activity that we are actually focused upon in Austrac is obviously relates to the live distance child abuse, which means people are online viewing um, sexual offending in another location. For Austrac, we have seen an increase in the reporting of this activity. That increase over the last three years since 2017 ha- has been in the order of 945% increase in the amount of reports that, that we have seen in relation to these crimes. So 2018, 2019, there was in the order of 3,000 reports provided to us from our regulated entities, we, being banks and remittance businesses. And in the last year, it was closer to 6,000. The increase in in just the 2020 year has been quite significant in terms of what Austrac has seen in relation to possible offending in relation to this. Austrac also works closely with the Australian Border Force in following the money trail to identify child sex offenders. While Border Force doesn't have policing powers as such, it does collaborate with the AFP in relation to child exploitation with its officers always on the lookout for potential child abuse material. Michael Outram is the Australian Border Force Commissioner. We're not leading the charge here in terms of countering child sexual abuse, but we are, we've got a dog in the fight. We very much want to support the AFP and others who are leading the charge. And in our customs function, of course, we're interested in what people are bringing into Australia and what people sometimes are taking out, of, out from Australia in terms of their goods. And that can include, of course, electronic files on mobile phones and laptops and those sorts of things. And so when we're searching people, their bags, their goods, their electronic devices, our officers are on the lookout for child exploitation material. There's something called Regulation 4A material under the Customs Prohibited Imports Regulations. And that gives us powers to search, powers to detain the goods if we find images and those sorts of things, and also to arrest and prosecute. With an officer embedded inside the ACE, The ABF can provide important intel on people who may not be on any radars. Yet, people who may be involved in the trafficking of children through Australian borders for the purposes of slavery and sexual abuse. It's an issue for every country. Uh, In Australia, we have seen cases of children being brought for exploitative purposes, including sexual exploitation. And Generally speaking, that's been in sort of familial settings, family settings, but it's still an issue for us. And But modern slavery, which includes child exploitation, is, is an issue globally. And our officers at the front line, they're, they're obviously trained to look out for any potential exploitive practices and children travelling alone, those sorts of things, they're on the lookout for that. Obviously, we do, though, largely rely on intelligence. So it's something we've got to be alive to. And we have officers who are trained in the ABF to look out for signs of human trafficking, including in relation to, obviously, children. And we make referrals. There's a, there's a process in place, of quite a mature process between ourselves and the AFP, where any, any uh, suspicions we have around human trafficking are referred to the AFP, and particularly, of course, if children are involved, that'll be, that'll be um, something that'll be front of mind. Human trafficking and slavery are issues of grave concern facing the international community. According to the United Nations, there are more people in slavery now than at any other time in our history. 
An estimated 40 million people are currently being held as slaves around the world. One in four are children, with many having been trafficked for the sole purpose of producing online sexual abuse material. This is a major criminal and social problem with really unlimited growth potential. Steve Baird is CEO of the International Justice Mission Australia, the world's largest anti-slavery organisation, and says we can't separate slavery and human trafficking from online child exploitation. The online sexual abuse of of children is one of the worst forms of slavery. These uh, children are obviously not an age where they have the the will to be making these decisions, so that is a, a big focus for us at IGM around the eradication of that problem. Now, typical consumers of the online sexual exploitation of children, so that is those who commission and pay for the abuse, men in Western countries. And Australia, you know, regrettably plays a role in this. You know, according to IJM's study, uh, Australia ranked third amongst global consumption of online sexual exploitation of children material. And also it's known that, you know, 256 Australians spent more than $1.3 million to watch live stream child sexual abuse. This is a complex and hidden crime and the live stream nature of the crime makes it actually very difficult to detect. So the abuse of these victims is often uncovered only when a foreign law enforcement agency identifies an offender for a different but related offence, like the possession or sharing of child sexual exploitation materials. So this is likely, you know, far more widespread than we can even currently measure. In Australia, sometimes we feel far removed from these issues. And it's important that we start to have more of a national conversation around terrible forms of slavery like the online sexual exploitation of children, that we understand that Australia is part of both the problem and the solution. And the extent to which we can start to form strong partnerships through government, private sector and NGOs like ourselves to understand these issues and start to tackle them, I think will be very important for solving these issues around the world. In the final episode of Closing the Net, we look towards the future and the work being done by the ACE and its partners to eradicate this crime type and create an online space where our kids can feel safe. I think it is important to have realistic but aspirational goals and towards zero obviously would be a a fantastic uh, effect to be able to have through centres like the ACE and our international partners and through state and territory law enforcement. And I do think we have to aim high because the problem is that big. It is just an ever-present constant challenge. I mean, I I can't uh, overstate it. I think we all have a responsibility to make create a safer online world. And I am heartened that more governments, law enforcement, parents, companies are mindful to that and that we're able to work together towards a safer online future. But there's still a lot more work to do and a lot more people and companies and governments that we need to bring along, frankly. If the content in this podcast has caused any distress, or if you know a child is being contacted or groomed online, visit accce.gov.au to find out how to report and where you can seek support. If you see child abuse material online, 
it's important to report it to the office of the e-safety commissioner who can help get it removed. And if you think a child is in immediate danger, please call 000 or your local police. You can provide anonymous information to crimestoppers.com.au or by phoning 1800 333 000. The opinions, beliefs and viewpoints expressed by the individuals featured in this podcast do not necessarily reflect the opinions, beliefs and viewpoints of the ACE or the AFP. Closing the Net is a production of the Australian Centre to Counter Child Exploitation and the Australian Federal Police. Written and researched by Nicole Gunn and Dave Carter with additional research by Anna Swain. Audio production by Daryl Misson. Original music by Kyle Gutterson. Produced by Dave Carter on behalf of Media Heads. If you found this podcast informative, please take the time to share it, write a review and subscribe to the series on your favourite podcast app. To learn more about the work of The Ace with regards to online child sexual exploitation, follow us on Facebook and Twitter or visit the website accc.gov.au.